Our consideration of the Holy Spirit continues today as we now move from the Old Testament into the New Testament with a couple of lessons. The first lesson is the Holy Spirit in Jesus. The next lesson is going to be the Holy Spirit in us. If you have uh, not been able to be present for the previous lessons, the last one in particular uh, is it steers much of what we're looking at and our thoughts for today because we looked at the Spirit in the book of Isaiah. And those references are going to be here, and I would recommend you kind of look back through there and you'll kind of see how the message from Isaiah, the prophecies are fulfilled in Christ Jesus, in particular through the verses we're going to look at today. We're going to see today that Jesus of Nazareth is the one who had the Holy Spirit in a powerful way, proving that he was the Messiah. And since he was the Messiah proclaimed, he was the one, just as Isaiah proclaimed, uh, he proclaimed that the coming of the Spirit he proclaimed the coming of the Spirit connected with the good news of the kingdom of God. So the Spirit and the kingdom, it all starts this something new, just as we have a new covenant in Christ that's remembered at the table every Sunday. We proclaim this something new. That was what was prophesied in the book of Isaiah. As we get into this New Testament study, we're going to be looking at a new word. In the Old Testament, in the Hebrew, it was the word ruach, and we kept saying that just means wind or breath, and therefore it also relates to spirit, because God breathed his spirit into us. Um, in the New Testament, the Greek term is pneuma, and it's very rare that you get these perfect equivalents from one language to the next, but this works out, uh, from what I know, it just works out perfectly. The term ruach with the term pneuma in the New Testament, they both have the same basic meaning of wind or breath, and therefore they also relate to then the spirit. And in the New Testament, uh, in the Greek, the word pneuma is used, and this is pertaining to the uh, New American Standard Bible, the way it's translated, the, new, the word pneuma is in the, Bi, in the New Testament 379 times. In the New American Standard, they translate out of that 379 times, 375 times, they either use the word spirit or spiritual, and just these other couple of instances, five other instances of either breath or wind. And actually, I've got my numbers, now that I'm thinking about it, my numbers don't add up right, 373, I think I've got uh, 370, it's 374 times that the word spiritual or spirit, it's 374, not 375. There's a reason I made that mistake. Three, there's actually 373 times that it's translated spirit and then one more that's used spiritual, so I added one to get 374, but flipped it to adding one more to 375 when I did my outline. So anyhow, you can see that the terms pneuma is spirit, 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 spirit. The New Testament talks about spirit. Old Testament mentioned wind um, a lot of times. 
um, book of Ecclesiastes, all is chasing after the wind. And they could have translated it if they wanted to, all is tra- chasing after the spirit. It's kind of the same, a little bit of the same thing. You see how they're related. You can't, they're hard to catch hold of. Um, so that's the word, the Greek word pneuma. And it's all usually used as the word spirit, so it makes it real easy. We don't have to discuss how should we translate this, spirit or wind. It's all translated spirit, and it's very, uh, very good that way. So we go to first to Matthew chapter 1. Uh, this is a phrase that's used in verse 18, but then it's used again in verse number 20. Uh, it says, but, but when he had considered this, behold, the angel of the Lord appeared to him. This is the angel of the Lord appearing to, um, to Joseph saying, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife, for the child who has been conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. So here is a virgin, Mary, who is betrothed to Joseph, and Joseph's being told she has a child. She's going to give birth. Uh, But it is through the work of the Spirit. Not She has not been with another man. So Jesus was conceived by the Holy Spirit into this woman, Mary, this wonderful gal who was uh, one who was filled with the Holy Spirit herself. Um, And this is to make the point that just in general, and I I take this into uh, in, in terms of Isaiah, because in Isaiah chapter 7, 14, verse 14, there's a reference there that we didn't look at. But this carries this idea that Jesus was to be born to this virgin. It takes us back to Isaiah 7.14. It's just saying uh, that in that passage that a virgin will give birth and she'll name him, name the child Emmanuel, which means God with us. So this instance, this talk of a virgin giving birth to a son, it just takes us back to the book of Isaiah. It takes you directly there. And that son who was to be given birth mentioned the, the Messiah in Isaiah chapter 7 verse 14 is the same one who is discussed all the way through the book of Isaiah. And you can look and see how he is connected with the kingdom that is to come and it is the last days. Through this Messiah, through this chosen one, there is one to come, a servant, a Messiah, a chosen one, one whom is beloved by God. And through him, he's going to usher in the last days and bring forth a kingdom that will never end. That's what the book of Isaiah is about. Isaiah is full of promise in these, all of the Israelites who followed the law, who knew their, the, the law and the prophets, they would have looked at Isaiah and read it and like, someday something grand is coming. Someday there is going to be a great and mighty king who is going to come and establish his wonderful kingdom that will never end. And they were looking forward to that. And so the the passages in particular that we looked at some of these last week, Isaiah 2, verse 2, I add here in the list, Isaiah chapter 7, verse 14, to talk about the virgin birth. Isaiah 42, 1 is the beloved, this is my beloved one. The servant whom I love. All of Isaiah 42 is, you just got to read it all. But, and then also Isaiah 42, 9 in particular, talking about the, the prophet or the servant who is to come. He's proclaiming the new things. Before they come, he's going to proclaim them before they happen. And that's, he's going to proclaim the coming of the kingdom. This great and mighty kingdom. 
Um, Isaiah 44, 1 through 4 is important, and it's, um, it's quoted in the, in the Gospels. And Isaiah 61, 1 through 11, you've got to read all of those and just see how they connect with Jesus and with the Holy Spirit coming through Jesus and then coming upon everyone else, all mankind, being poured out, bringing forth life and growth. So that's in Matthew chapter 1, verse 20, mentioning the virgin birth. All, and much of this is repeated in several of the Gospels. I want to flip over to Mark chapter 1 now. <clears throat> in the Gospel of Mark, I thought it put some things together real succinctly, right compact together, that were also found in Matthew. But here in Mark, it's just, Mark is just always to the point. He, um, he always talks about things from one thing to the next. So immediately we go to Mark chapter 1, verses 9 through 11. In those days, so and this is after introducing John the Baptist. John the Baptist is the one coming in advance of Jesus, saying he's coming. In those days, Jesus came from Nazareth in Galilee and was baptized by John in the Jordan. Immediately coming up out of the water, he saw... The heavens opening and the spirit like a dove descending upon him. And a voice came out of the heavens. You are my beloved son. In you I am well pleased. That term well pleased should take you back to Isaiah. Isaiah chapter 42 verse 1. Well pleased. I'm well pleased in him. You're my beloved son. That voice came and that spirit coming out of heaven. It's um, it's. I've, I've heard it said before, and I, I think this fits, or else I would have probably forgotten it, this idea of the Spirit coming and hovering over him. It's, it's, it's just like in the very beginning when God created the heavens and the earth, and the earth was without form and void, and darkness was over the face of the deep, and the Spirit just was hovering over the surface of the waters. The, that spirit hovering over everything, just kind of where there was chaos and formlessness and emptiness, where there was nothing, and that Holy Spirit was getting ready to form and shape. That spirit was getting ready to be active and do something in Genesis chapter 1. And here it's kind of that same picture. I think it fits. I think... The author and the picture of what's going on here, it's a picture of that spirit coming down on Jesus at his baptism. And, and, and there is, the spirit is just getting ready to be active and working and creating and doing something great. And I think that description certainly fits the ministry that Jesus is about to enter into. That's a neat picture. It's a beautiful thing, a beautiful working of the spirit. The Holy Spirit coming upon Jesus, the servant of God, uh, whom the Father was so, so pleased with. Now go to uh, the next verses. Um, verse number, first of all, verse number 12. It says, immediately the Spirit impelled him. Now in the other, in the other Gospels, it says the Spirit led him into the wilderness. But this is where Jesus is getting ready to go out and be tempted by Satan himself, by the adversary. And it says in Mark, it's used this strong word. And it's not just kind of the Spirit letting him. The Spirit is, is pushing him, forcing him, directing him out into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. 
So you see that, that God, the Spirit, this is how the Spirit works, how the Spirit worked in the Old Covenant, where there was a difficult task, something that needed to be done. The Spirit comes in and encourages and directs and puts us on a mission and fills us with courage to do something that's difficult. That's a, that was a theme constant in the Old Testament. And now here is Jesus And the Spirit impelled him to go out into the wilderness. And he was in the wilderness 40 days being tempted by Satan. And he was with the wild beast and the angels were ministering to him. Now after John had been taken into custody, Jesus came into Galilee. Preaching the gospel of God. And saying the time is fulfilled. The kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. Um. So here is this, the Spirit leading Jesus and then the Spirit taking Jesus into all of Galilee and leading him around. And he is preaching, proclaiming the good news that the kingdom of God was at hand. So in other words, if you understand and you remember what we looked at in Isaiah, that the last days would be brought forth by the the coming Messiah, he was going to establish his kingdom, and that's the last days. So now you're understanding that the kingdom of God, the time was fulfilled, the kingdom of God is at hand. Jesus, through the power of the Holy Spirit, is making known and proclaiming to all that all that stuff you read about in Isaiah, and that all the, the prophecies in Ezekiel and Daniel and all these other places, now is the time. It's here. This is exciting news. This is good news. It's being proclaimed. Now, if I can jump forward to Acts chapter 10, verse number 38. Here in a sermon uh, by uh, by Peter, he is talking with uh, Cornelius. Let me make sure I get the right verse. Acts chapter 10, verse 38. You know of Jesus of Nazareth, how God appointed him with the Holy Spirit and with power, and how he went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. God with him. Emmanuel, God with us. God was with him. God is with us. So here is Jesus going out, appoint anointed to do this wonderful work. So that Holy Spirit coming upon him was an anointing and he goes forth to do the good work that the Spirit tells him to do, doing good and healing who are all, all who are oppressed by the devil. So this is the work of God. This is, this is the fulfillment of Scripture as we look at Jesus coming into the world. And from that time that man messed up everything in the Garden of Eden... Once that was the good thing was messed up, God had always been at work to bring forth this moment when Jesus would come and start correcting everything, putting things back on the right track. All of the stuff in the Old Testament that's difficult to read or that sometimes we don't even like to read or that's a bit gory or that's just uh, just you know sometimes very fun to read as you see God working in his powerful ways, all of that stuff All of the prophecies, all of the laws, everything that was always getting ready to bring Jesus Christ forth into the world so then he can bring the good news and bring in a mighty, powerful kingdom in the last days. And that's what we're in. 
So, uh, 14 and 15 of Mark chapter 1, uh, Jesus is proclaiming that good news, the kingdom of God is at hand. Here We're in the last days. Now we'll jump to Luke. And I just want to go to Luke, and this just re- reinforces what we've already seen. That's it. That if you read through Matthew and you read through Mark, and we just looked at a couple things in Mark, now in Luke chapter 4 verse 1 we see similar things. Same stuff. Luke chapter 4 verse 1, Jesus full of the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan and was led around by the Spirit in the wilderness for 40 days being tempted by the devil. So he's full of the Spirit and he's being led around out in that wilderness by the Spirit. So, And it talks about all the temptations then that were at the end of the the 40 days, what was happening there. Uh, And then we go to verses 14 through 21. So verse 13 says, when the devil had finished every temptation, he left him until an opportune time. The devil never gives up. He wants to keep seeking opportune times to destroy Jesus and to destroy us, by the way. So stay on the alert. Verse 14, and we'll read through 21. And just hear the work of the Spirit and hear what that work of the Spirit in Jesus is causing him to do in fulfillment of Scripture, just as Scripture said. And Jesus returned to Galilee in the power of the Spirit. And news about him spread through all the surrounding district. And he began teaching in their synagogues and was praised by all. And he came to Nazareth where he had been brought up. And as it was his custom, he entered the synagogue on the Sabbath and stood up to read. The book of the prophet Isaiah was handed to him. And he opened the book and found the place where it was written. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim release to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to set free those who are oppressed, to proclaim the favorable year of the Lord, And he closed the book, gave it back to the attendant, and sat down. The eyes of all in the synagogue were fixed on him. And he began to say to them, Today, this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. Everything you read about in Isaiah, that servant... With the Spirit, the power of God upon him, I'm the one. Jesus was full of the Holy Spirit, which led him to preach the gospel and to heal. But notice as you read through those, we, you know, that, that Spirit, the Holy Spirit upon him is what enabled him to heal people and to drive out demons. But as you look at this, in particular, this passage from Isaiah. It's a picture of healing, but it's also spiritual. That's the main thing. Spiritual, spiritual, spiritual. He came to fix our spirit. He came to give give us back the breath of life that we had messed up with our sins. We need life. We need spiritual life. So that's why he came. Because he anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. The poor in spirit, right? Sent me to proclaim release to the captives. 
the spiritual captives, right? Ones who are captives to sin. That's us, folks. He wants to proclaim that message to us. Recovery of sight to the blind. Oh, how spiritually blind we are without Jesus, without the good news. Set free those who are oppressed. So this is, this is Jesus coming. He, he came and he wanted to help and heal physically. He did that often, but what he really wanted to do was to preach the good news, to share with us the truth, to share with us the spirit of truth. All right, so that's Luke chapter 4, uh, 14 through 21. Uh, we can now go to math, back to Matthew chapter 12. I just want to make sure I hit some of these wonderful highlights in the Gospels. Matthew chapter 12, uh, in verses 15 to 18. So the Pharisees were conspiring against him, how they might destroy him. But Jesus, aware of this, withdrew from there. Many followed him. So followers, if somebody's a follower, they're called a disciple. And he healed them all. So many followed him and he healed them all and warned them, verse 16, Matthew 12, warned them not to tell who he was. This was to fulfill what was spoken through Isaiah the prophet. Behold, my servant whom I have chosen, my beloved in whom my soul is well pleased, I will put my spirit upon him. Jesus being able to heal all people, all the ones who were following after him was evidence that he was the servant of God, chosen by God, uh, who, upon whom God had put his spirit and who was going to proclaim something new that was about to happen and that the spirit of God would be poured out on all mankind. Verse 28, Jesus openly and explicitly says this himself. Verse 28, but if I cast out demons by the spirit of God, then the kingdom of God has come upon you. The mighty kingdom. Talked about, spoken of in Daniel in a couple of visions where that rock is going to be hewn out of a, of a mountain and come and crush that statue. And then from that, uh, from that rock, it would become a mountain in and of itself. It's a kingdom that will never end. And it's the kingdom that we are in. It's the kingdom of the Lord's church. It's the kingdom of God that is amongst us and within us. This is all of the Old Testament being fulfilled in Christ Jesus. All right, so um, that was Matthew uh, chapter 12, 15 through 18. Now go on to John. Let's get one, one passage from John. John talks a lot about the Spirit. Um, in John chapter 7, this was our scripture reading today, verse 37 through 39. And this, this was at the Passover feast, but it was an earlier Passover, uh, a year, I don't know, maybe two years, I don't, I don't know, but it, was, it, was before, it wasn't the feast when he was betrayed and crucified, so it's a year or two before then. But listen to what he said at this feast. Now on the last day, the great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried out, saying, If anyone is thirsty, let him come to me. 
and drink. He who believes in me, as the scripture said, from his innermost being will flow rivers of living water. Now, just pause there from his innermost. You know, this flowing of rivers of living water. Uh, you know, it's, I don't, I, I, I assume that probably every Jew who was there listening, or every person who was there listening, there would have been some Gentiles maybe visiting the feast. Oh, man, I got to believe they jumped to the prophecy in Ezekiel chapter 47. And think about this river that was a trickle at the beginning. And then it gets a little deeper and a little bigger and a little wider and a lot deeper and a lot wider. And pretty soon you can't even get across it as it goes out and brings forth life everywhere it goes. And it turns places of death into places of life. And Jesus is proclaiming, if you're thirsty, if, uh, if you want to drink, you come to me. From his innermost beings will flow rivers of living water. Life. Life. Jesus brings life. In verse 39, the author of the Gospel of John, the Spirit, through the Apostle John, says this. But this he spoke of the Spirit, whom those who believed in him were to receive, for the Spirit was not yet given, because Jesus was not yet glorified. So in this passage, we see Jesus proclaiming the time when the Holy Spirit would be poured out on all mankind. And it specifically says that that was going to happen after he was glorified. And if you read through the book of John, his glorification is when he was hung on the cross, when he died for us. That's when he was glorified. Strange picture for us. To imagine his glorification being when he was exalted upon a cross, lifted up on a cross. But that's what it was. You read through John, if you, uh, if you disagree with that, you can come and we'll search it out. But just consider that. Ezekiel 47, 1 through 12, you go back there. Rivers of life, Jesus was proclaiming it. And you think about where we were looking in Isaiah 42, 9, when Jesus, when it was told that the Messiah, the servant, he was going to come and proclaim it before it happens. He was going to proclaim the news, good news before it came. He was here to usher in the kingdom. And it happens when he was glorified on the cross. John chapter 14, verses 16 and 17. John 14, verses 16 and 17. I will ask the Father. And here, by the way, he's, he's talking specifically. You'll look at the context. He, you're going to see that he's talking to his, his 12, to the 12 apostles. I will ask the Father and he will give you another helper that he may be with you forever. Now notice that, with you forever. That is the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it does not see him or know him. But you know him because he abides with you and will be in you. So I point out this is spoken to the apostles. But then there is the promise of something more in you forever. Um, and you can read through John 14 and in chapter 15, 16, 17, it talks more about the spirit that would be given. The spirit of truth. So uh, I, I pose this. In, um, so Jesus spoke of the helper, the spirit of truth, 
who would be sent to his apostles. <coughs> then jump ahead to John chapter 20. In verses 22 and 23. So after the tomb is empty, after he has been resurrected from the dead, a week later here, I believe John 20, verse 22. And when he had said this, okay, this, and he shows up and he says, peace be with you. And when he had said this, he breathed on them. And there's, this is not the same word. This is not pneuma for breathed on them. There's another word, a specific word for breath. But he breathed on them and said to them, receive the holy pneuma, the holy spirit, the holy breath. If you forgive the sins of any, their sins have been forgiven them. And if you retain the sins of any, they will have been retained. Now this is interesting. He breathes on them and said to them, receive the Holy Spirit. So if you know your book, there's something else going to happen later when the Holy Spirit literally descends upon them. But we also see right here that there was some giving, some giving that they had to receive, something they received or had to be willing to receive of that Holy Spirit that Jesus had. Jesus is transferring to them, giving of the Holy Spirit that is upon him, sharing it with the others, which there are Old Testament examples and uh, remembrances of this same kind of thing with Elijah and Elisha. So, but Jesus shares that Holy Spirit with his, with his disciples. Matthew 28. Now I'm jumping back to Matthew. And uh, we're going to tie this up right here in Matthew chapter 28. In verses, uh, verse number 16, it says, But the eleven disciples proceeded to Galilee to the mountain which Jesus had designated when they saw him. So the disciples go, and it's the 11 disciples, not the 12. One of them is gone now. So they go to Galilee, and when they get there, they see him. When they saw him, they worshipped him, but some were doubtful. And Jesus came up and spoke to them, saying, All authority has been given to, given to me in heaven and on earth. Go, therefore. By the way, apostle means sent, or a messenger, one sent. So the 12 apostles are going to be the one sent, carrying a message. Go, therefore, verse 19, and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I commanded you, and lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. So my simple point, though there's much in there, is that Jesus sent the 11 disciples on a mission to share the good news with everyone. That's what the Messiah was going to do, share that good news with everyone. The reference I have here, Isaiah 59, Isaiah 59 verses 20 through 21, that is a reference where it mentions that the words that were in his mouth would be on his offspring. So Jesus brings forth offspring when he has disciples, those are his seed. And then those seed would produce more seed, more offspring. And they're all to carry the message. The message that Jesus gave, we are to give. The message of the good news, salvation that's found in the Messiah, in Christ Jesus. 
Him coming and being able to to take upon the, the sins of the whole world. Isaiah chapter 53 is one we haven't talked about, but Isaiah 53, this is how the kingdom comes in. This is how Jesus becomes the king. Is he, he is, he's the one who dies for everyone. And then he is raised again to eternal life, just as we will be if we follow after him. So that's a quick, hopefully fairly quick, lesson on the Holy Spirit and Jesus. And it points then to us, it prepares us for carrying on the same thing. He started something, we are the ones who continue it. As disciples of Jesus, the Holy Spirit that was in Jesus is transferred to us. It is with us, and we are to share the good news with others. That was his mission, to share the good news. And I invite you, if you didn't invite your neighbor to church this past week, do so this week. This is the week to do so, to invite somebody, and we invite them. You can invite people to, to church, but what we truly need is to invite people to Jesus. Jesus is the one. Jesus is the amazing one. Jesus is the wonderful one who forgives our sins. And hopefully when people come to church, they can see Jesus, the love of Christ amongst us. And they will hear about Jesus in our songs and in our prayers. The one we love, and we love him so much because he first loved us. Let that spirit be within you. Let that spirit be within us. And if there's anybody here today that you haven't given your life to Jesus, now is the time. Now you have the opportunity. Come to Jesus today. We invite you if you need to respond. You may do so now as we stand and sing.